Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. It's NBA playoffs time. That means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with the touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 pre-game money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Welcome everyone to the PJ's cast. I'm your host, Pierce, alongside of all my good co-hosts. We have a very special guest today here with Ben Pope, making his third appearance. No, I think fourth appearance, because it's a yearly appearance on the show. How's it going, Ben Pope? Oh, I'm great. Yeah, it's uh, been good to have a little time off now since the season ended and a lot more on the way, but I haven't gotten bored yet. So uh, hopefully I can enjoy this as long as possible. But yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I always enjoy my, my spring annual appearance on here. <laughs> have you been watching the playoffs or have you kind of just been like tuning your mind out from hockey for a bit? I haven't been watching uh, every game, but I've been watching... I'd say maybe half of them, and I'll probably get a little bit more locked in here as we go. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been good so far. Um, I I feel like everything's still up for grabs, so no big conclusions to come to yet. But um, it's cool seeing Patrick Kane do well for sure, and the Rangers um, they scare me, um, but I think they're they could go pretty far. But we'll see how they do tonight. Um, Another loss tonight, and then you get, who, who knows? So yeah, it's it's tough to tough to come to too many conclusions yet. What about you guys? I don't know. I think we should make this about the Leafs. What do you guys think? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Um, no, I mean, well, we can make it about the Leafs if you want. That's up to you, buddy. I'm not. I'm not saying anything. That's, you can't put me on the spot this time. But I, uh, I mean, I will say myself. I've been watching it the playoffs more than I have in a while it's been a really good first round so far um i don't know about you guys like what's been your favorite first round so far i mean edmonton la has yeah, been yeah. fireworks yeah the game, the game last night was incredible <clears throat> just so fast-paced and physical yeah minus the bad calls yeah. left right no. and center God, yeah <clears throat> that that edmonton series has been really good i I have kind of a hot prediction that I think whoever wins that series will win the West. I think uh, we, we I was, said that on the podcast yeah. too. So good to know. I, I was workshopping that last night and got some mixed reactions, but um, that's really uh, I'm going to stand by it for now. That's not crazy at all. <laughs> I mean, no, I think all of us on the podcast share that same thing. Mm-hmm. So again, it's nice to know that we're we're all smart here. We all have the same. same <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. Enough about enough about you know the good teams that are actually in the playoffs. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about 
Oh, the Blackhawks. I think the last time, like it's been a couple weeks. We did a podcast last week doing the uh, the preview of the playoffs, and now we're back here again. So it's been a it's been a couple weeks since we talked about the Blackhawks, which is honestly a good thing. It's been nice to kind of turn turn our brains off and watch the chaos that is playoff hockey. But the the season did end, and uh, <laughs> I mean. They, they were horrible, but I think towards the end, every Blackhawks fan was like, we need to lose this game to get as best as o- best of odds as they can to get for first overall. And even worst case scenario, they would fall back to three. And it looked like things are going well, even if they wouldn't finish last, because I think it was that one night where if Anaheim won and the Blackhawks had lost, like they would have been fine, I think, but Anaheim did one. But even if they lost that game in regulation against – I think it was Philadelphia. They yeah. would have had still had second best odds, but then of course they tie it late. They still lose in overtime, but then it ends up in Columbus's hands whether they win or not. And of course they lose, and uh, they're still picking third. Now before we get into that, like how was how was covering this team different from last year? I mean, there's obvious obvious things with just all the off ice stuff that kind of hindered the team last year. Last off, I feel for the most part that's kind of gone away, but how, how was it covering this team compared to last year? Yeah, it was, it was a lot more enjoyable for me. I think the mood around the team was a lot better than last year. They kind of knew that they were going to be terrible, even if they didn't really want to say so outwardly. Um, so their expectations were lower and there wasn't this great sense of failure that kind of surrounded everything season before last. Um, so the players were in a better mood and, um, it was just there were fewer off-ice issues that we had to kind of tiptoe around in those interviews. So um, it was definitely more enjoyable from that point. Also, not having COVID restrictions anymore, um, being able to have full locker room access before every game um, was was really great from a journalist perspective, just to be able to form more personal relationships with, with the players rather than um, the previous season where it had been sort of a mixture of things and um, I, there were some in-person one-on-one interviews, but not as many. And then the year before, which was all Zoom. Um, but really, the, the biggest difference was Luke Richardson. Um, yeah, he was he a a- amazing. Beer, didn't he? Sorry? Like at the first press conference? I didn't hear the start of what you said. Oh, I was, I was saying, didn't he, give, didn't he give you guys beers or alcoholic drinks in the first press conference? Or am I misremembering something? I there? think he in training camp, he did do that because they had gotten no. they started making some Blackhawks beer. And yeah. that was just to kind of promote it. Uh, Derek King had brought us muffins famously at the end of the season before. So it was only kind of an even split with those two. Um, but uh, the uh, in general, just covering Luke was kind of single-handedly what made this season enjoyable, just in terms of not only his honesty and the depth of answers he would go into, um, but also just his willingness to really discuss um, hockey tactics and system intricacies. And I feel like I personally um, – even after covering this team for three years, I learned so much more about um, the little things about how an NHL team operates and how a coach coaches and um, the systems that they run. I feel like I learned so much, even myself, not even just to report on this year. And I was also able to do, in addition to that, more stories on specific neutral zone tactics and um, little intricate things like that that were really fascinating to dive into. So uh, honestly, I had a good time this season, even though the team stunk. Um, there, there were a lot of good silver linings about it, and it was a pretty enjoyable experience overall. I kind of wanted to bring it up last in the podcast, but I feel 
since we're on that topic, I think the biggest thing heading into this year is there's, it's the first year of a full, like the first full year of a rebuild. You're not going to see, well, we did see drastic changes, but like you're not going to see these prospects or like players coming right away and retransforming the team. Obviously, Patrick Kane got traded, Jonathan Taves missed some time, and now he's not going to be back with the Blackhawks. Like that, that's big stuff. But I feel the biggest thing coming in the season was not necessarily going to be tangible results. It's going to be changing the entire culture of the Blackhawks. Like whatever you think of Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, they're they're gone now. And I think the big thing coming the season was creating a new culture. And I just feel like Luke Richardson did bring that. And obviously they, they weren't a good team, but there were more nights than there weren't when they were working their ass off for, as you look at a team like Anaheim or Columbus, they just, they didn't bring it every night like the Blackhawks did or close to it at least. And they, they fired their head coaches and Luke Richardson, of course they fired, they hired him for first year and they're not going to fire him or anything. And I think he might he might be a part of the future, but we've seen coaches get fired. But we've also seen coaches like Jared Bednar in Colorado, who st- stayed a part of with a, a horrible team the first year there, but he stayed a, along with them and they got better. They had some more pieces, and then now they're won the Stanley Cup last year, and they could go potentially on a deep run this year. So I'm wondering what you think about Luke Richardson's place with the Blackhawks in the future, because I feel like we saw a lot of glimpses this year as fans of how good of a coach Richardson could potentially be. Yeah, when they were going through the coaching search last year before they picked Richardson, I kind of assumed that they it would be maybe more of a placeholder coach just for a few years, and then uh, unless it, he really exceeded expectations, then they would try to find someone to someone different to to lead their next year of contention. But um, I, every indication with Richardson is that they they're not. He is definitely not a placeholder coach. Um, management definitely sees him as the guy who not only will be the guy through the rebuild, but also lead them through onto the other side. And um, every indication this year is that they, they chose correctly um, in him and in believing that he can do that. I feel very confident that, that he was the correct choice and um, that he will be able to, to be the coach even once they're, they're through the rebuild back into the playoff era. That's probably the biggest success um, of this whole season. Um, you look at, uh, finishing 30th place, uh, it kind of is a little bit in the middle. So we'll see how the lottery goes, but they didn't exactly get the optimum outcome there. They didn't finish last and guarantee a top three pick. And um, they didn't really get much in back for Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves um, in the trade market. And entering the season, you probably would have said those three things would be the, the biggest things to watch, what they got back for Kane and Taves, how well the tank went, and then how much, how well Richardson did. And, the first two, maybe not exactly what you'd love to see, but the third one was just a slam dunk. Um, Richardson looked like absolutely the correct choice, really impressed on all fronts. Um, good hockey coach in terms of systems, a good player coach in terms of helping guys develop and creating a good relationship with that. Um, good just sort of organizational coach in terms of um, delegating duties to his assistants. I think he picked his assistants well. Um, creating a good culture um, and, and morale around the team. So really on every front, uh, other than maybe the wins and losses, where he was kind of doomed from the start, uh, he really got an A-plus in my book. So I think that was probably the, the most positive takeaway you could have from this season. Yeah, um, I'll, let, I'll let you one of you guys take the floor now. I've been blab- babbling on. on <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go. Um. So, you know, 
the big story right now is that the Hawks are going to have a bunch of cap space. I think they're going to have like 40-something mil. And not a lot of guys are probably going to return. Some guys have question marks. There's very slim that are probably going to stick around. Uh, I just wanted to know, like, if you had to guess, like, who do you think stays and who do you think goes? Like, we saw Tenorti got an extension, but um, who do you think might else get an extension on this roster? Or is it just going to be we're going to start with the new clean slate come July 1st, do you think? I have to pull up the cap friendly here. Um, <laughs> Everyone's best friend, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. Let's see. Oh, reliable. Never lets us down cap friendly. Oh, no, dude. Out cap geek. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of skeletons in the in the path to get the cap friendly for sure. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it's there's a lot of guys that are kind of tough to say um, is a thing. Like Athanasiu, I think certainly possible. I think it's also certainly possible he leaves. He's probably the the biggest free agent they have left at this point. And even Max Domi in the same category. I think they traded him. Um, with the idea that they could might potentially circle back this summer as well. So both the two guys who were probably their biggest signings last year are kind of, again, maybe 50-50. Um, it sort of depends on what those guys are looking for, or whether they're okay being on a team like the Blackhawks are going to be again next year that's, that's not going to be a contender. But they probably will be able to get more money with the Blackhawks just because they do have to get to the cap floor um, somehow. Uh, it seems like my connection is not doing so well. How is it on your guys' end? Oh, we're good. We're good. We're all good on our end. Yeah. No. Are you sure? Let me know. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're fine. Yeah. Kind of on the topic of Domi, it's it's interesting because everything points to the sign that he should resign there because everything he loves Chicago, he loves Luke Richardson, but we it's just so rare that we see a player, you know, get traded from a team at the trade deadline and then come back to them free. Like the only one I can think of was Antoine Vermette when he did in 2015. But I'm wondering if you think that's a, that's a high, high possibility that he does do that. He comes back to Chicago and potentially signs a multi-year contract. Yeah. I feel like that's something that does get talked about all the time when someone trades a, a pending UFA at the deadline. And then you're right. It almost never does happen. Um, whether with the Blackhawks or anywhere else, but this seems like one situation where it is possible where he really liked the team. The team really liked him. He's obviously bounced around a ton. So I think a longer term contract with somewhere where he's familiar and know he fits in would be something valuable to him, but it's just going to, it's just going to depend on what he ends up wanting, what the team ends up wanting. So I don't, I wouldn't say it's super likely or like a guarantee or anything, but I could see this being a scenario where that sort of thing could happen probably more likely than most other scenarios where it gets talked about. Sorry to interrupt myself there. Uh, I know I didn't cover nearly all the free agents. I think Kurashev will certainly be back. Um, his statistically, his season really wasn't that great, but it sounded like Kyle Davidson really liked what he saw um, personally. And uh, he did certainly show flashes. He's shown flashes every year. He's been in the league of, of being a top six player. So, um, I think he, he definitely will be coming back. It's not like Joey Anderson um, impressed the team in his little late season stint um, after coming over in that McCabe trade. So I expect he'll be back. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Bjork. I think he he was probably exceeded expectations on the stretch, but um, there's only so many guys really that they, they they'll probably want to bring back. So he's it might be a more 50, 50 kind of guy um, looking at the defense. 
Um, I'd be surprised if England or Mitchell comes back. Mitchell just seems like that ship has kind of sailed at this point. Um, he just doesn't seem to provide the offense that would make up for his defensive in, in, inabilities. Um, I believe in him probably more entering this year and um, than the organization did. And then after the year, I can kind of see why they were skeptical of him. Um, Caleb Jones is probably the most interesting one in the defense now with Tenorti under contract. Um, it sounds like he thinks he's going to be back, but the numbers are a little bit iffy on that. I imagine they're going to want to um, open up a few spots for guys coming in, and um, it, it might depend on whether they buy out Zaitsev would kind of determine whether they re-sign Caleb Jones, but that's just me speculating. Um, so we'll see what happens on that. I am really interested to see what happens with Caleb and, and also what Seth's reaction would be either way. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, that'll be an interesting one to follow. For sure. Well, I want to, uh, Ben, kind of going um, from there, talking about the offseason, do you think, and a lot of teams have done this, obviously the Hawks did this with Zaitsev and other players, do you think they're going to pick up more dead cap, or do you think they're going to mostly put this towards UFAs and keep it simple? I think it'll probably be a mixture of both. Um, I, I th- it'd be tough to bring in enough just UFAs. I because I don't think they're going to want to make long-term <laughs> commitments like that. I don't think they're going to want to give more than one or two-year contracts. Mm-hmm. It'd be tough to just find enough guys that you could give like six million per year for one-year contracts to get there. So I and not just have a team full of like sort of random journeymen free agents. So I think they're going to have to bring in dead caps somewhere, and I, I don't think that's a problem anyway. I'm sure they'd be happy to get draft picks for doing so it's mm-hmm. just going to be a little interesting who they look at because uh, i mean they again don't want to take on big contracts so this has to be a guy that a team is eager to dump but that doesn't have more than two years left on his deal unless they want to give up a ton to really persuade the hawks to take on a three or four year oversized contract so there's a lot of interesting questions i'm not sure this blackhawks offseason is gonna get too much interest around the league just because they're clearly not trying to contend but i think for those of us who follow the team closely, it is going to be pretty interesting just because it is such a puzzle yeah. um, and kind of an unusual circumstance that we haven't seen many other teams encounter before. So I am intrigued to see how they go about handling this. It's funny for after a decade of them being so close to the cap ceiling, this is the first time in God knows how long they have to get to the floor. The other but, way around, yeah. Oh, yeah. At least yeah. 15 years. It's been a while. So. <laughs> Uh, but to kind of like piggyback off of that, like who are some free agents you think the Hawks are going to target this offseason? I really don't have an answer for that yet. I haven't looked too much at the free agent crop. I know it's supposed to be the weakest in years. Slim um, pickings, they say. But <laughs> I, I'm not sure they're going to be too distraught about that considering they aren't really trying to go get some stars to put them over the top. But I honestly haven't really looked at um, but who they might look at, who they might target yet. I've, more focused on just relaxing, resting a little bit. And then I'll probably look at the draft and then I'll look at the free agents. So I'll get back to you on that one. For sure. Pierce. I was going to ask, the big thing, I think in a couple of weeks, exactly two weeks, I believe is the draft lottery. And that's going to be big. Like no matter what, no matter who wins it, whoever gets Connor, or even Fantilli at the second pick, it's going to transform that franchise and I think if the Blackhawks do get Bedard or even particularly Bedard I feel 
you maybe don't have to like trade for you know current now players, but I feel like you gotta maybe make a signing or two to you know give some players for Bedard to play around and play with, or and, and you know make a push for maybe a playoffs, like not like go for a playoffs, but definitely be way better than you did last year. And I feel I'm wondering if you think the Blackhawks might do the same if they do get Bedard or Fantelli, or if they drop back, they kind of just kind of go, go, go as they were now, or, or if they get Bedard or Fantilli, they just keep going. They go kind of go all in, not all in, but like make some moves to kind of help, help. Yeah, I get what you mean. Jeez, I cannot. Yeah, I think uh, my understanding is that they kind of have two paths plotted out and I don't know the exact details of both of either path. As I'm saying here, there are some 50, 50 things, but it sounds like they have kind of one plan if they get pick number one or two, and then a different plan if they get third or fourth or fifth, um, understandably. And this goes for the business side as well as the hockey side. Like if they get Bedard or if they get the first pick, which will likely be Bedard, I think that totally changes the equation, even in terms of ticket sales and marketing and everything. Like that's, that would be a really – Like on the ice and off the ice if they get Connor Bedard. Like yeah, that was – The name – that was the same word I was thinking of. Yeah, that would be a, a franchise transformational um, event. Um, but so, yeah, I think it would change the course of what they do this summer. I don't think they would try to be a playoff contender next year, but they probably that probably would increase the odds that they go bring back someone like Max Stoney, who can be um, kind of a first line um, mentor and teammate to someone like Bedard and um, sort of help bring him along um, and also – help them out with face-offs and that sort of thing where it's a bigger transition. Um, that That's a little bit – that would be the surprising thing. If they do get Bedard, it it, it, it seems like Taze would be kind of the ideal guy to, to help with him. So I'm, I was a little bit surprised maybe that they um, sort of decided to go this route before they knew their draft lottery fate. But um, I, I do get it on the other hand. Um, but, yeah, I think that they definitely would probably be a little bit more aggressive trying to bring in some forward support. Um, if they do get one of those guys just to, to make it so they're not playing in such a desolate wasteland. For sure. Yeah. So I know some teams have had reservations or have, you know, made not public statements, but have, you know, hinted that they might stay off of Mitchkoff due to the fact that he signed for another three years in Russia. Do you know anything about how the Blackhawks would feel about taking him at, you know, three or four, or if, you know, what kind of player they would take instead of Mitchkoff if they had the opportunity to? It sounds like from all early indications that they are definitely open to Mitchkov. Um, Davidson said outright that um, the fact that the player being available immediately is... Oh, I think I cut out again. Um, a, a player being available immediately isn't um, really a prerequisite and whether... Um, the Blackhawks would consider drafting them or not. I think, after all, they are looking long-term, so I think Mitch Cobb's being three years away contract-wise would probably fit well enough with the rebuild. And also the fact that the alternatives would probably be at least two years away from the NHL anyway, so yeah. it wouldn't be even that big of a difference with that. Um, so I don't think they've, I don't think they're out on Mitch Cobb or anything like that, but there is a long way to go, um, whereas they don't even know their pick position yet, and they're still two months to prepare for the draft and do more homework. And, and I think a lot of that up to this point, a lot of what they're doing is scouting and kind of uh, developing a talent assessment. And then a lot of the work 
this last stretch after the season's end before the draft is on a more personal side of doing interviews and um, learning more about the character of, of the player and that sort of thing. So I think that's, that's a largely yet to come. And so that would be a big component of it. But I think as of now, they haven't um, ruled them out. They, they certainly do seem open to it. If that ends up being the situation that they find themselves in. I feel like a lot hinges on that day of the draft lottery day. And it, and it should, like if they do get first or second overall, especially, especially first, like, again, that's, transformational like Connor Bedard's already a household player like in the WHL he was selling out like the Calgary Stadium like he's a known name but I even even if you did get those players like these still have to hit the rest of the draft because they have two first round picks they're gonna have one later on they're gonna have a bunch of second round picks and who knows by then they're gonna my probably will have more second and third round picks they have a lot of assets to potentially move up or down in the draft and you got even if you do get a franchise player you still got to hit on more players than just that and again as much as bedard and or fantilli would help that franchise you also have to have to give support around them you can't do what the oilers did for six or seven years and you can maybe even argue still now but yeah i'll lend the floor to one of you guys here uh so I, I just had a quick question because, like, I know Soderblom got a chance this year. He played a couple games, and then they basically said, we're not going to throw to the Wolves, go play winnable games in Rockford. And Mrazek's still under contract for next season. Most of us would probably think that that's the tandem going into next year. I'm just wondering if maybe – is there anything that maybe you've heard differently, or is that probably what we're going to see as the tandem starting next season, do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that's – very likely to be the tandem talking with Alex Stalock at the exit interviews. He seemed to kind of believe that he wouldn't be back um, just knowing his age and, and the contract situation and the numbers game. Um, I personally was really happy to see him succeed this year. He's such a great guy hoping he wins the master 10. He got my vote, although I don't think I'm supposed to disclose that at the moment, but um, don't worry. No one listens to you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it was great to see him succeed, but, and I think the Blackhawks probably, if he and Mrazek were both free agents, would probably choose Staylock, but, um, I, with the way it is with Mrazek having another year in a contract, um, and they kind of knew that that was going to be the case because they got draft capital for acquiring him, so that's kind of the part of the deal, you're going to get a less than, um, perfect contract, so yeah, I think it, it probably will be Mrazek and Soderblom. Um, heading into next year. Um, on the Soderblom front, he struggled when he went back down to Rockford um, after in November, uh, well, end of November and then January and February. Or, sorry, I'm getting my months all mixed up. December and January. All together, yeah. They do. They really do blend together. Um, he had a bit of an injury, which he hadn't had before, and then um, his first few weeks of, of games back weren't great, but um, it sounded like he... he Learned from that. He learned how to overcome adversity from that, which is something he hadn't really had to deal with too much in his career up to this point and um, was great down the stretch, has been great um, so far in their ongoing playoff runs. So it seems like that could be something that, that really helps him long term um, to, to learn how to overcome adversity in a developmental year like this. So I think the Blackhawks are, are super encouraged about that. I know he is an RFA this summer, um, but it, I'm there won't be really any drama about those contract negotiations. I, I figure. I feel with Alex Stalock, it was, it was such a great story. Like 
he was playing out like a 920 clip for pretty uh, like almost the full year up until the the end where they really started to fall. And even then he was like I think a 910 or something a little, little below. Like he was an above average goalie. Like even if he wasn't a starting goalie, like he could have been a backup on easily like so many teams that were fighting for the playoffs and could have maybe even got them in and made a difference, but who knows, maybe he retires now or maybe he goes and backs up for a team with a chance to win the Stanley Cup. So it, it kind of sucks seeing him go because it, it was, he was so much fun to watch. He was just so much chaos, but he, you know, he stopped the puck and he just seemed like a good guy. But also if, you know, if he retires, I think it's, it's a great way to go out with everything that he dealt with or who, who knows, you know, like he can, he can do whatever he wants, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it was very validating and um, fulfilling for himself personally to prove one more time that he can be an NHL goalie after all he overcame. Um, it sounded like his family is a big factor. So whether he plays next season or not might kind of depend on whether he can get a contract with another team in the Midwest. Um, that's just me speculating, but as a Minnesota guy, it seemed like maybe he does want to stay close ish to home, but um, yeah, I'd love to see him maybe get a contract with a contender and get to show on a bigger stage what he can do because he really is just exhilarating to watch and um, somehow makes it work really well. So he was definitely one of the, the most good fun passer. parts of this season. Very, very good passer. <laughs> the two teams that come to mind, especially since you said Midwest, like you got to think maybe St. Louis would be in on that because they need a backup for Bennington. I wouldn't imagine they would stick with Grice. But um, the one that we always throw around that I would love – Probably would have to talk to the family about this one, but I'd love to see him go back up Vasilevsky in Tampa and be on a team with that well structure and probably wouldn't have to face too many shots a night. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Tampa's kind of all over the place right now. Well, night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be an interesting one. I hadn't really thought about specific fits for next year. I'd have to look and see who who's going to have open jobs, but – um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to see him somewhere where he can um, maybe get a chance to win. Dallas possibly, too. Oh, that's – yeah. Dallas would work. Even Vinny would work out. Gustafson's probably going to get the starting role. They still got flurry signed. Yeah. They do? Yeah. Yeah, for Volstead, too. Yeah, they're, they're not going to – they're not going <laughs> to. They're fine. I forgot about that little Volstead. What are you saying, Reagan? What? What were you saying? Well, I was just agreeing that Dallas would be a good fit. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. I thought you were. I thought you were about to ask another question. I didn't have one though. But we're still for it. Someone else wanted to go first, but so kind of was struggling back at the draft because I didn't get the chance to like throw it in there. Uh, but we already kind of talked about how the Hawks don't have the best chances at the draft lottery. So assuming they don't get the chance at like Bedard or even like Fantilli, which prospect do you think fits the team the best or like, the organization? The thing is, I think they're at such an early stage of the rebuild that I think they're just going to be trying to take the best player available. And I know that's super cliche, and every team says that. Um, but it really it just makes sense at this point because who knows what the roster is going to look like in two or three years when they're starting to really fit the puzzle pieces together. Um, certainly forward is a higher priority than defense, but just the way this draft class shapes out, it seems like all the top ten picks are probably going to be forward, so that won't really be – an issue they even have to worry about. But um, I think it'll be just whoever they determine to be best. So um, I know we talked about Mitch Cobb, and obviously Leo Carlson is um, kind of the other guy in that sort of second tier. Um, and then beyond that, I, there's a ton of different names. I really don't have a sense at this point 
what the hierarchy of those guys is in the Blackhawks eyes. I'm not sure they even have it completely nailed down yet, but um, it'll, I think it'll really just depend on what happens on May 8th and what position they get in. And then maybe we can start to dive in more into the specific scenarios for that spot, just because there is such a wide range in possibilities based on them finishing 30th. Yeah. There's always, there's always chaos come draft day, like players mm-hmm. drop, like you never, never know what's going to happen. Like we're, we're, we're waiting for draft day to happen. And even if they do drop, like who knows what's going to happen. It's just, it's, it's all chaos. It was really funny to watch on Twitter, just the fan base having a collective meltdown after that Pittsburgh and Philadelphia games. Like certainly those results were damaging to the draft lottery situation. It definitely wasn't, it wasn't good for sure, but just everyone acting like this is just a life or death for the future of the franchise. I found to be hilarious because for one thing, this was all just jockeying for odds. Um, It's not like the NFL where you finish where you finish. And then even then you're, you have the draft picks and those are just kind of just a, picking guys who have varying chances of succeeding too. So there's just so many different levels to this. I feel like it's really impossible to know what outcome is going to lead to what end result. So I found it kind of hilarious how dramatic people were being about it. I think the thing that most fans, it wasn't that they wanted dead. Like it's not like they wanted last as that would like secure Bedard, but if they finished dead last, the lowest they could drop is three. And then worst case scenario, the conversation is, Oh, is it Leo Carlson or Matt Vemichkov? Now it's, oh, we're going to probably drop the five and we need to know which one of like the eight next prospects they like more. Because like after four, I feel like it gets a little, uh, you can ask three different scouts. You're probably going to get three different rankings of five through 10. So yeah, no, certainly it was, certainly it was important. And um, certainly falling to third isn't ideal. Um, it would have been a lot better to have a guaranteed top three pick, but I feel like there's just so many levels of uncertainty to this that it, it's it, you just can't really know what's going to lead to what's going to lead to what. You can go look at back at historic drafts, and the second pick was a bust, and then the fifth pick turned out to be an all star. So you never know what's going to happen. I mean, it certainly wasn't good that they dropped that they picked up three points in their last two games, but I just found it that people acting like they this was going to single-handedly decide things i just found to be kind of funny and also the only positives that come out of it in my opinion was like the two teams that they beat down the stretch which i think were calgary and pittsburgh like if you can't get up we pause them single like this whole like oh they only have to even if they lose they might still get in or you could just beat the second or third worst team in the league but no they couldn't do that so we're here (laughs) <laughs> that was it. that was also funny that the two teams they beat were the two teams that needed it the most it wasn't like they beat vancouver who had nothing to play no. for or, or seattle who was already locked into a seed they beat the teams that were dying to win so that was also it was it was cool to be there and covering both those games in person and feel the tension and the anxiety in the arena and feel like it was really a game that mattered and so that was that was definitely interesting i didn't get to cover too many games that mattered and and those were two that did. So I enjoyed that part of it. I was going to say there's probably a couple more because of the Ottawa game. I feel like the stakes were pretty high because yeah. Ottawa was just starting to heat up. And they're like, oh, they might make the playoffs again. And then they get smoked 5 nothing. And then the game in Nashville this year, they went 3-1. to one. Well, the one where Staylock should have had a shutout. But, you know, they let him go like 20 mm-hmm. seconds. Left. Mm-hmm. I really wanted him to get the shutout that night. But um, 
like it, it must have been nice because like when you when you get those wins, it's just it's refreshing because like I don't know like even if they even if they win or lose that night, it's like you said it's it, like you said it's good vibes this year almost. It's not like there's a lurking cloud over you that's you know walking on eggshells in the next interview or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, there was a game. I think it was in January in St. Louis. It was their second visit to St. Louis. Um, and they won that one. That was Stauber's first win, I believe. Um, and the, the post-game celebration was like they had just clinched a playoff spot. Like, they were just having an amazing time that night. So that, that one really stuck in my mind of, yeah, this team is in the bottom of the standings, and these games don't really matter much. In fact, winning kind of hurts them. But they really are enjoying it, and the morale really is good, and the mood and culture really is a lot better than it used to be. So, um there were definitely some games like that that were good to see. That's always good to hear. Like, because yeah. like you meant, like we all mentioned, the big thing is that it's a culture change. It's not just a rebuild. It's you got to start a new era. And it's nice to know that, you know, the vibes are good going into the new era right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, it's interesting how we've kind of handled the season, all of us as fans. I feel we've all reacted differently. It's been tough. Like, First rebuilding year, you know, two franchise icons are, are gone for I minute. Mean, well, Patrick came in and will return, and Jonathan Taves outright just isn't coming back to play for the Blackhawks. But it's 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 part of being. I've like really thought about this the past couple of weeks. Like it's be part of being a fan. Like we've, I feel like we're pretty caught up. You know, with the Blackhawks finishing last. You know, to increase their best chances at the lottery. But who knows? Maybe they they drop the three if they get last, and who knows? Maybe they go up to one. And they win the lottery, even though they drop back a couple spots. You know, it's it's being sports. It never it never works out the way it does. But and you know, some and that could be a good, that could be a bad thing. Like hockey, you know, it's it's a sport with a rubber puck. Like it bounces around a lot. Like games, you you win games that you shouldn't. You lose games that you should. You know, like it's and everything's gonna go your way. But I'm um, it's it's nice that there's there's something to look forward to because I remember you put out the thing of oh, would you rather you know, Colton and, and like get Bedard first overall or have Richardson and fifth overall or whatever, you know, like it's, it's interesting to think about those kind of things, but all in all, I, I felt fair, like, and it's, it's a little bar, but I feel better about the season than pretty much every season since like 2017. Everyone agrees. Oh, sorry. Cut. <laughs> yeah. it, cut out, it cut out for a second there for me. Um, that, it's funny you mentioned that poll. I actually forgot about that poll. Um, I think I found the ultimate, the ultimate question for Blackhawks fans because it ended up being literally 50-50 over like several thousand votes. So um, that was that was that was a really interesting one. I think I'd seen some people debating that and decided to to put it out there. Um, I, I personally voted or would have voted if I could vote in my own poll for for Richardson and fifth. Um, but I see the argument for the other one. All the people who were saying they should just have kept Colleton, gotten first, and then fired Colleton, that was cheating. You can't make that answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Richardson and Fifth is looking like the reality right now. So, yeah. There yes, there's not really a choice. That might just be it. Yeah. <laughs> Our highest odds is to get to pick fourth. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to pick fourth. It's whatever. It's, who knows? Like they maybe they drop to five this year and then they get for you know like it's again like Bedard and Fantelli would be awesome, but 
and even if they do get them, like there's still a lot of building that needs to be put around them. But they could get a good prospect this year, and who knows, maybe they get first overall next year because there's a lot of good prospects in that draft. It's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long ride. Like this is just barely barely the beginning here. Like the it's ripped down to the studs now, and now it's it's building building up from here on out. Yeah, it's a good perspective to have for sure. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have any other questions to ask here. We can wrap us up. No, I think I'm all set. You guys good? Didn't make it about the Leafs. I'm not mad about that at all. <laughs> hey, that's why we're ending it this early so we can go watch the game, don't you know? Actually, yes, I am trying to keep attention to that right now. Thing. Yeah, I think the Devils scored, I saw. But, yeah, I mean, maybe this is the Leafs year. I, I think I actually – I think I tweeted out predictions, and I think I had them winning – I think I had them playing the Rangers in the Eastern Final. I was trying to be bold, just to you know stir the pot. So don't be bold. Just don't be wrong. If you're gonna leave, <laughs> <laughs> don't be wrong. Okay. I feel we'll like we'll see. We'll see. For the sport of hockey, like Toronto, New York might be the best conference final because you have the the most paid attention to team in Canada. We'll say that with the Toronto Maple Leafs and probably the most paid attention team in America. With, with the Rangers, it's New York. So I feel like, like if we maybe want to see the capital yeah. offer. This, this, this is what Batman dreams about, dream about every night. And then LA is going to be in the Western Conference Final with Colorado or something. I don't know. Whatever makes was, the most money for him. That was the matchup I was just thinking of with it. The LA Colorado would be the ideal Western one to complement Toronto, New York. Yep. That would be that would be the NHL's absolute dream. What do you mean they wouldn't want a team for Western Canada in there? <laughs> I'm sure they want the Jets in the final. <laughs> I'm sure they want the Jets yeah. in the cup final. I'm sure they want. What the about Jets. Vegas? Or no, Vegas, LA would be second. Oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah. No, damn it. All right, Ben. It was it was great having you on, even. So we cut out, cut out a bit, couple times. It was nice to hear your perspective on things. Like again, every every season, there's gonna be there's gonna be ups and downs, even if your team is absolute trash. But it was, I think overall, like again, I I felt it was it was a good vibe season. I was kind of always hoping for it coming in this year to be a a change in culture, and I genuinely feel that at least from like the, the locker room perspective that that's happening and. Obviously, what's happened? Uh, what happened last year or in 2021? Like you, you want that change, and now you've established a culture, and then you can hopefully the the good players come in and they have a new dynasty soon. But uh, yeah, thank thank you, Ben, for coming on. It was nice doing this with you guys, and uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll talk sometime after the draft. Maybe they have a dart. Maybe they made a whole bunch of news. Who knows? Like there's still. There's more, there's more questions and answers, I would say. Right yes, now. yeah, for sure. Yeah, happy to come back on in July or August once we once we do how every, know how everything Do you know if you're going to Nashville or not for the draft? Yes, I'll be there. Um, we'll I'll also be, be in too. Buffalo for the Combine Ooh. if it looks like that would be worthwhile to go to. It kind of depends on where they end up picking and then who it looks like is going to attend that. But, but yeah, I'll definitely be, definitely be in Nashville for sure. Um, should be an interesting time. Montreal last year was a lot of fun. Uh, Nashville will be a little different, but I'm sure it'll be fun too. So we'll see what happens. Definitely. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Ben, thanks for coming on. And yeah, we shall, we'll talk another time, I suppose, when things are a little different. Yep. Sounds good. Thanks again for having me. Sorry about the 
the internet issues. Uh, 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 they were all right in the internet. It happens. Thanks for coming on. <laughs>